Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Good morning, everyone. I, I kind of wish that this crew over here didn't leave. I loved all the interaction. So maybe Hotmut and Annika, you have to make up for it now. <laughs> so we've been going through um, um, a, a series of teaching uh, called the, the Demands of Christ, what Christ demands of the world. And we had uh, the pleasure of having Paul Gunning lead, lead us through two sermons uh, these last couple of weeks. Um, and we're continuing with the series, uh, and today's is Enter Through the Narrow Gate, right? And we're starting off with uh, a passage, Luke chapter 13, verse 23 to verse 24, reading from the NLT, but you can read in whatever version you like to read from, right? So it says, someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? And he replied, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter, but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate and we drank with you. And you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. Now, the first time, the very first time I read this passage as a, as a brand new believer, I got confused because I heard again and again and again that we're saved by, yeah, by grace, right? And here it's saying, work hard to enter the narrow door, right? And the word there is, it could be translated as work hard, as strive, uh, wrestle, or fight, and to me, it sounded like, that sounds like I'm working for my salvation. So let's look, in, let's look into what it, it's actually saying. Right? So we're not working for our salvation. Right? Nothing we do can, can save us. It says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. Right? So it's not, it's not our actions that, that save us. Our striving is instead an indication of the intentions of our hearts which have been changed by God. So it's, it's, I'll say that again, our striving is an indication of the intention of our hearts which have been changed by God, which means our actions come out and, and respond to, to God's transforming of our heart and mind. And that is a response and not a qualification for salvation. It's a response to salvation. In Ezekiel, uh, it, it already starts in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm loving reading through every time I go through the Bible plan. I see the message of Christ earlier and earlier and earlier in Scripture and more times in Scripture. So if, you, if, if you're not on the Bible plan, you could still hop on, even though we're halfway through it, or get on another plan. It's just incredible to see the word open up every single year. So I'd encourage you to, to do some sort of a plan. In Ezekiel uh, 36 verse 25 to 27 this as I read this it almost sounds like a New Testament passage it says then I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean your filth will be washed away and you'll no longer worship idols and I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I'll take out your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart 
I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This verse describes a bunch of things. It starts off with um, what Paul was teaching about our justification, that he, he, he washes us clean and we're seen as righteous in the sight of God. He cleanses our sin, something that we cannot do. And then he gives us a new heart. And um, this new heart wants to respond to God. It says it, it's, a, it's a heart that will want to follow God's decrees, to be careful to obey regulations. Which doesn't mean that we're free from sin, but it does mean we're no longer comfortable with it. I'm sure every single one of us has gone through this, to where there were things that you used to do before you were a believer, and now when you do them, it doesn't feel so great. Like maybe the, the sin still has its, its, its thrill of enjoyment in that moment, but then conviction hits, and you know it's just not right. right? Sin will bother us because now we're in relationship with God. Someone who, when I, when I hear these words, someone who responds, a tender, responsive heart, I guess I've been spoiled by music. Whenever I hear tender heart, I just instantly go to, to R&B love songs on a Sunday on Radio Energy. <laughs> right? But it's good, that, 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 um, that picture is good for me because it reminds me that it's about relationship. This is what happens when you're in relationship with someone, right? It's, it's, I was talking to a young man uh, yesterday, actually, and he was talking about how, how much his family hurts him, right? And I've, I've seen him around other people, and I've seen uh, other strangers say worse things to him than his family, but because they're close to him, it hurts, right? And we know when we're in relationship with someone, even seeing a person hurt uh, really messes with us, right? And God still hates the sin. And that's why it bothers us, because God has put that in us. He's changed our hearts now. And what bothers him bothers us. And that's incredible. I, every, time, every time I'm in sin, I go through this, this cycle. And I'm, sh I'm sure you, you do too, where you sin and you feel like, oh, I need to, to, to do some things to get back into God's graces. And you try and you try and you try and nothing works. And then you just realize hey, grace has been there this entire time. And every time I come back to that place, I say, thank you, God, for giving me conviction because that's a sign that you live in me, that your spirit dwells in me. The fact that I feel horrible about this, thank you for that, Jesus. And that's, I wanted to start with that because this, this passage might seem like it's saying we work hard to get our salvation, but it's not about that. In fact, it, it, it highlights what we're actually going to be striving against. We strive against sin. In Romans 7, uh, Paul talks about this. In, in Romans 7, verse 23 to 25, he says, but there's another power within me that is at war in my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Right? He's expressing that thing. He's saying, he's so frustrated as he's, the, I like the other translations that says wretched. Wretched is such a good word. It's like, I'm the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low. I hate myself to the core, right? That's what wretched means. Like, that's, that's what he's saying. But he's bugged by it because he's transformed. God has done the renewing of his heart, so he's no longer comfortable with it. 
The person that, is, that says is rejected here, where it says, I don't know you, where do you come from? This is a person that has no relationship with him, right? And this is, this is, this is, these are those people who are just acquaintances of Jesus. Because they say, didn't we, didn't we share meals together? Didn't we eat and drink together? Didn't you come and, and teach in our synagogues, in our houses, in our streets? And he says, I don't know you. I don't know where you came from. And get away from me, you who do evil. I think about how as I was going through, through school, as any activity that we do in a group, you know those people. I, I remember being uh, in high school and enjoying all the time with my classmates. Uh, as I think of eating and drinking, I think of the, the, the Delta Bazaar, where every, every year you as a class would have to put together your stall and, and work to earn money for the school. And so we did these things together. We, we kind of knew each other, but from those people, there were just a few that I would call friends. Right? The, the, the two, two guys that I walked home with almost every day, and those guys knew me. We were in each other's houses. Our, our parents knew each other. Uh, we knew each other's birthdays, which for guys, that's not a normal thing. Right? Yeah. But these guys are still my friends to, to this day, these two guys that I walked home with all the time. One is in Colorado. The other one is in Indonesia. Right? And we still talk all the time, but these were people that I knew. I know what's going on in their lives. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you who are saying you knew me, you were just acquaintances. Right? We just hung around in the same places, but you didn't know me. And I don't know you. And so we go back to this idea of this narrow door. What makes it so hard to enter? It says, Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. And what makes it hard is what Paul has already expressed. It's our sinful nature. It makes it so difficult to follow Jesus. In Matthew uh, 7, verse 13 to 14, this is a sister verse to, to, to Luke. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for, many who for, for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. I think of these, these roads, I think of um, being every, every holiday at the village, there would be some time where we were, we're going to find some cattle somewhere uh, or going to drive them to get sold. And there were the main gravel roads uh, between the villages that would lead you all the way through. And these are proper wide roads. And if you're riding a horse on those, you, you kind of just switch off because it's this straight road, it's flat, uh, no matter how fast you're going, you're good. But then as, as, as we get to our destination and go deeper into the bush to find the, the cows that we're supposed to find, we get onto these, these, these paths that have been made by cows as they're, as they're walking through bushes and avoiding trees and they walk in and one follows the other and they make these grooves and for some reason, Horses love getting into those grooves. And so you are moving really fast and this horse is just twisting and turning. So on this narrow road, you need to pay attention as you're riding. You need to, to, to see obstacles in front of you. When you're on the big roads, there's no obstacles. It's just clear and straight and wide. 
when, when you're on this path, you need, to, you need to maneuver everything. You need to kind of anticipate what the horse is doing. Right? Different horses will do different things. Some will look for an opportunity to throw you off because. <laughs> or bush, bushes will come around or there will be obstacles around some bushes that you don't see. And the horse is just determined to follow this little path. And that reminds me of this narrow road that Christ uh, requires us to be watchful in this way. Saying that this one is, is a hard one to stay on. The narrow road is a difficult one to stay on. We need to be aware all the time. Obedience to God requires our effort. And that's what the trying is about. And this is still, it's a response. It's, it's not going to save us. It's a response, but it requires effort. Obeying it requires effort. Obeying is fighting and it's fighting the distraction. When Paul says this, that there's this power within him uh, that is at war with his mind, it's like this, this enemy from, from the inside, the one that fights us all the time. And our sinful nature is hard at work. Right? I never need to be reminded of that. Right? I have to temper every thought, every word at times. Sometimes you're, you're, you're in situations where the sinful nature gets the best of you. Right? Yesterday, I was driving, and a taxi driver did a Mission Impossible maneuver in front of me. And the words that came out of my mouth, <laughs> but the sinful nature wants to do evil all of the time. Galatians 5 verse 17 says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to that of the sinful nature. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you, you are not free to carry out your good intentions. It's hard work fighting this sinful nature. And when Jesus says we need to strive, he tells us this because this is going to be our reality for the rest of our lives. There's never a point where we've graduated and we're Christian enough or behold, the, the sinful nature is always there and always reminds us in those moments where we feel really good about ourselves and, we, and pride starts to creep in and the sinful nature just pulls you back down and say, mm -mm, we're still together. Right? And the enemy tempts us. He uses our sinful nature. So we've got the enemy on the outside working with the enemy on the inside to try and distract us. And I say distraction uh, because when we're indulging in our sin, we can't focus on Christ. You see, before we're in Christ, our sin is our destruction. But when we are in Christ, our sin is the distraction. Before destruction, it's destroying us. Afterwards, it's a dis dis uh, distraction. And I say it's still destructive, but in Christ, we're secure for eternity. That's guaranteed. And we can still destroy ourselves in this lifetime, but we are safe. But what, is, what he's really doing, what the devil is really doing, is keeping you from reflecting the glory of God and drawing more people to himself. And there are a number of things that very easily uh, distract us from obeying. And I'm in Matthew 13, verse 20 to 21. It's, it's, the, it's the parable of the sower and of the seed falling on the different types of ground. And in verse 20, it says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. 
But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Right? Tribulation and hardship. That can really detract us from our faith. There have been times where I'm going through hardship and Christ says that I need to to trust in him and to have hope in him. And instead I spend some time feeling sorry for myself. Right? And that's a form of pride. Right? I feel sorry for myself in in that moment. I'm not doing anything for Christ. I'm not reflecting his hope. I'm not displaying to people around me that my God is mighty and this is this is a situation that he can deal with, but even if he doesn't deal with it, he is still good. I'm not reflecting that in those moments. People have walked away from the faith because they said, this is, this is difficult. It's hard to walk the straight and narrow. It's so difficult. And there are many people who have said, if this is what it's about, then I'm out. Many times we'll excuse ourselves in, in moments of difficulty and say things like, you know, in my mind I've done this, I've surely God understands what I'm going through. He understands what I'm going through. So if I mess up, if I'm a little bit mean to people, if I'm a bit cold, he understands. Right? And I excuse myself at times. But God says, no, even in hardship, I want you to reflect me. This is focusing on the worries of this world. Right. It says in, in verse 22 of the same chapter that the seed fell among the, the seed that fell among the swords, the thorns represent those who hear God's word and all too quickly. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and so no fruit is produced. Right? And the, the worries of life can be a range of different things. They can be negative things, but they can also be things that we deem as positive, right? It can be the task of everyday life. Right? There is nothing that's been a challenge to my walk as me being too busy to spend time with God. That the task of everyday life consume you completely. That you go through a whole day and God's kingdom was not on your mind once. How many times have we done that? So many times. We can get so distracted and, and, and so busy that we don't even see God in our day. And that leads to many other things we we, we can, it can lead us to being worried about things. It can uh, lead us to being negative and pessimistic because we didn't see God's graces everywhere because we were too busy in our day. And that day swallowed us up completely. But the worries of life can also refer to the things of this world. Right? It can refer to, to pleasure. We can be so easily distracted by enjoyment. Right? entertainment and physical pleasure can really pull us away from our main focus. And we are in the age of ultimate entertainment. Right? Uh, not too long ago, JP and I were talking about how back in the day when you bought a CD, when you bought an album, right? that's all you had. There was no Spotify and Apple Music. There was no YouTube. So you listened to that album through and through. At some point, you knew every single song. There are still songs that I remember from my childhood that the lyrics are still ingrained because you just listen to that CD again and again and again and again. Or cassette, if you want to go further back. Right. But now we're in the age of 
overwhelming entertainment. Right? And everything is customized. Right? The, the algorithms are working to make sure that they figured you out. So after, after, and I was shocked by how fast it does this. I was on Spotify and I listened to a few songs for a couple of days and then it starts to suggest playlists. And I think, are you in my mind? What's going on? Or Netflix, how you watch for a little bit and after a while your feed is customized, right? Because you watch this, here are some other recommendations. Thank you, Netflix, right? YouTube is another thing, right? And the trap with YouTube, right, is that you can go on there with good intentions. I just want to research about this or that. I need to figure out how to do this in Microsoft Word. So I'll just go there and read it for a little bit and then cat video, right? Or some other stupid video, YouTube shorts, here they come, right? And for an hour, you're no longer doing what you intended to do. I get distracted by this all the time. I've, I've now decided now that I will not do any of my Bible reading plans on devices because I'm too easily distracted. But this can completely take away all of our focus and we can get stuck in this entertainment world, in this world of gratifying our pleasure that we don't see what's really going on. We don't see that God's kingdom needs to move forward. We don't see that we have an enemy who is destroying the lives of so many. We don't see that so many need Christ. We don't even see our own sin, right? The more I watch YouTube, the less critical I am of my own laziness, right? And Jesus is saying, I want you to be aware. I want you to be awake. Another thing that's, that's probably one of our biggest ones is the praise of men. Jesus says when he's talking about fasting and praying, he says, when you fast, put lotion on your face. Don't, don't mess up your hair and look all ashy and then tell people, oh, I'm fasting. Right? When you pray, don't stand on the street corners and, and shout it out loud. Or when you pray in your group, don't use the biggest, most spiritual words you know or change your voice, right? It says, don't pray or fast for human approval. For me, this is probably one of my biggest temptations, the approval of other people, right? And this is one of the biggest distractions and detractors of our faith. I just think of all, do you ever, do you ever think back on days and things that you've done and feel embarrassment again, right? All the time I think of those things, and almost 100% of the time, it was because I was trying to get approval from somebody. I was trying to gain somebody's approval, right? And we do crazy things just to fit in. And the tricky thing about this and the dangerous thing about this is even godly things can become this distraction if we're doing it for the approval of other people. If I come up here and I teach this message and it's for, for me to look good, then it's all for nothing. Right? I've become a distraction instead of being used to share God's word. If 
if I'm to be kind and to give to people, but I'm doing that and also posting it on Instagram. <laughs> it's all for nothing. And I, then I've become a distraction, and that very act has distracted me from doing what God has actually called me to do. Such a dangerous thing. And um, I don't know about you, but that's something I need to pray on all the time. Another, another big one in, in, is the love of money. Right? In Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many, many sorrows. And we need money, right? And we all know how good it feels at the end of the month when you get that SMS that your salary has come in, right? It's a great, great feeling until debit orders start going off. Right? It's a fantastic feeling, right? And don't we find ourselves going, if I just had a little bit more, right? If I just had just a bit more, just a little bit more. And that can quickly uh, turn into going from your needs to being something that you want all the time and obsess over. And God knows that. That's why he warns us in so many, place, in so many places with strong warnings. So what do we do with this? How, how, do, we, how do we fight this flesh. Well, the remedy is in Matthew 6, verse 33 to 34. And this is a simplified one, but I think we can apply it to every single area of life. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today that I need to refocus. He says I need, I, I need to work hard, but I need to be mindful. I need to watch. Like how when we're on the horses on those paths, we need to be aware of everything that's going on around us. And the best way to be aware is to ask God in every area of life, how can I seek your kingdom? Right? If I, before I go to work, if I say, God, how do you want me to seek your kingdom? with all those who are around me. If that's, if that's your desire and your focus, you're probably going to be kind to people. Right? You're probably going to be more humble. You're probably going to be patient with people. Right? You will be a blessing if this is your focus. As you do whatever, whatever work you do, whether it's schoolwork, whether it's, it's your, your work, when your focus is, God, how can I seek your kingdom here? You'll have excellence in your work. You won't cut corners. You won't be deceitful with your work. You'll obey. If I say, God, how, how do you want me to seek your kingdom with my enemies? Or at least with that very difficult family member. What will the interaction be like? Anger will be replaced with grace. A hatred with love. A irritation with compassion. So as we close, I, I, I'd like for us to do this, to spend some time in prayer. 
and say to God, God, reveal, reveal my sin to me where I'm not seeking your kingdom. Right? Reveal to me where I need to fight harder, where I need to strive, where I need to respond to this grace that you've given me. And then we'll close our time and, and with, some, with a worship song. So let's spend some time praying. God, we thank you for, for the work that you did, uh, that you died on the cross, that it's, it's, it's your grace that gives us freedom, that gives us life. And thank you, Jesus, that we're no longer slaves to sin, but by the power of your spirit, that we can ask you, Holy Spirit, lead us to obey. Lead us to be aware, to be mindful. Lead us as we take our, our every single step, every single day, that they would remain in your path. You, Lead us as we abide. Lord, we can't do that without you. I pray, um, Lord, that you show us where we're falling short. Show us where we've been um, lazy with our pursuit of you. Show us, Lord, um, where we've forgotten to put you first in our day. Whether it be with our work, with our time, with our finances, with the way that we relate to people. God, lead us in that. God, convict us and change us and then and lead us to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast. <laughs>